It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey guys, welcome to the next episode of The Table. My name is Jason Squires and I uh, get the privilege of hosting this conversation. Um, And this is one of my favorite episodes each month as we get to sit around with who we call the mentor team. It's a group of worship leaders where we on a, on a monthly basis kind of talk about our topic that we're that we're going through that month. This month we're talking about the onboarding process of volunteers, what that means and kind of just loving your loving your people well. And so um but before we get into that content, I kind of want to go around and have everyone introduce themselves and uh, cuz since this is uh you can kind of get to know who's on the call. Joe, why don't you kick us off? Sure. My name is Joe Hornis. I was the worship director at Willow Creek Church in Chicago for 20 some years and uh, then um, helped do a couple startup churches. And these days I run the Joe Hornis Worship Collective where I'm doing coaching and mentoring for people that are trying to figure out how to bring God a better offering on Sundays and through worship. And uh, so you can find me there these days and I'm honored to be with y'all. Love it. How about you, Amber? Hi, I'm Amber Pierce, and I have been um, on staff at Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas for 17 years, where I led worship and helped work with the coaching and development of new team members um, for our worship team. Um, and so I've just recently uh, stepped out. I'm still a part of Gateway Worship, but I have started a nonprofit called The Worship Life, and I travel internationally and all over uh, the United States. And I invest in worship teams by doing worship workshops, teaching on technique, culture, how to steward the atmosphere, all things worship. It's my heart just to equip worship teams and even teach congregations about what worship is and what it is not. And it's just been a fun ride. I just stepped out in February and we've been to Mexico and Switzerland and Cuba. And so it's been really fun. And I'm so honored to be a part of um, this podcast and be a part with all of you and to learn from you and from each other and also impart into other worship leaders. I love it. We keep trying to get you into these conversations. And every time you're like, sir, I can't be there. I'm in Cuba. Sorry, I can't be there. I'm in Switzerland. And I'm going so I'm, so I'm glad that you're in you're at your home today. This is I am. <laughs> I'm so glad to be home and with all of you guys. I love it. I love it. How about you, Michael? My name is Michael Bond. So glad to be here. I am based out of the state of Oregon, which is in the northwestern part of the United States. I'm based at a family of churches called River Valley Church, and there's five campuses here in Southern Oregon. And I have the privilege to shepherd um, in different ways. One of them is overseeing the worship and media and raising up teams here. We have a phrase that we use in our vision statements that uh, we're called to be servants who empower the next. So it's really big uh, passion of ours to just you know make sure that we are investing in the next. Otherwise, we become the last, mm. and that's not that's not okay. So, um, committed to train up worship leaders locally, and then as God leads me, as I travel to different conference settings and other environments to try and again empower the next and encourage the next. Uh, try and believing in people and hopefully seeing potential and what God's calling them to do, and trying to remove obstacles that might be slowing them down. So, also feel honored to be here and learn from everyone 
And uh, hopefully everyone who's listening can glean a lot from our conversation today. Love it. Love it. How about you, Andy? I'm just here in my garage in England. I mean, I, I've not been anywhere exotic. I'm I'm really sorry, Jason. Amber <laughs> seems to have taken all of the you know travel points there. But uh, I'm Andy. I'm based in Gloucestershire in England. Uh, I run a, a kind of ministry and, and kind of community called Homegrown Worship. We're really kind of here to help unearth and share new worship songs. So we help people by developing songs, recording songs, and then sharing songs. I spend quite a lot of my time coaching and consulting people in the creative space as well as in business and, and run a uh, run a platform called Rocket Fuel, a kind of a kind of crowdfunding platform raising funds for new music projects. So kind of too busy to travel, sadly, but I, I do have a holiday coming up for my, my 40th birthday. I'm going to Disneyland in Paris next week. So yeah, that's exciting. Be- travel. I was, yeah. I was at Disneyland in Southern California a few weeks ago. It's a good, that's a good time right there. It's a good time. Right there. We'll talk about ride, you know, ride recommendations on maybe another, another call, Jason. I love it. Let's do it. How about you, Grant? G'day, everybody. My name Grant. is Grant. 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 Sorry, Grant. I was saying Grant. No, that's quite okay. It needs to be natural for you because some people in the world say Grant. And um, anyway, we digress. <laughs> My name's Grant or Grant Norsworthy. And I am beaming into this podcast from New Zealand, where I live. There are probably more sheep within a mile radius of me than people right now. And I'm okay with that. Um, I'd head up a thing called More Than Music Mentor. You can find out more about that from morethanmusicmentor.com. I provide online and on-site training for the heart and the art of worshipping musicians or heart and art. <laughs> if you're not understanding what I'm saying. So good. And uh, Andy Baker is a guy I've been trying to work with for about two years and I've never <laughs> made it happen yet. But uh, he's an amazing guy. And I'm sure everyone on this panel is. And see, uh, Andy? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, thanks. <laughs> That's all I have to say. That's, oh my gosh. You can tell we like to have fun on this podcast. And so uh, this this month we're talking about the onboarding process of volunteers, loving your people. How do you do it? We're, you know, we're dealing with people and kind of getting them into your teams. And when they're, once they're in your teams and on, on your teams, how do you get them to stick and stay and kind of find where they're, where they're best utilized at. Um, And so I want to ask a question that might get a little dicey, but we're going to ask the question anyway. Um, Why is it important to filter who wants to be on stage? And, and because that is, uh, as people are kind of coming in going, you know, I, I want to play music. I want to play, I want to run sound. I want to be a part of what's going on. But as a worship leader, it's our job to filter like what it, who it is that is, is on stage with us. And, um, but the question, I want to ask the why, and because once you're in your ministry and a part of your church, it's hard sometimes to like in, in, in the, in the heat of the moment, have the answer as to why. And uh, we just, we know we need to do it, but maybe it's hard to voice the reason why we need to do it. Um, so it would be great if we could help uh, kind of give some worship leaders the verbiage to say as kind of answering the why we do what we do. Um, so uh, Michael, you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. I, the first thing that came to mind is a friend of mine, you probably several of you know him, Brandon Dempsey runs a worship team training resourcing group. And he, he always says, before you lead worship, you need to live worship. And, you know, you can just kind of tell, you know, with, with those who are leading you, you, you might get fooled for a season, but 
the integrity and the authenticity uh, of someone who's leading others to seek the Lord is, is critical. I feel like you can't give what you don't have. So if you have people that aren't, aren't living worship and they're not true worshipers of the Lord, they're just kind of coasting off of the Holy Spirit's fumes from days yesterday, right? They're just kind of going through the motions. And again, with the, with the right environment, great songs, great venue, that, that can pass for a time, but it, it, it doesn't pass forever. So substance is critical in those who, so you have to filter, you have to know who's up on the stage with you because you're taking this journey, right? You're, you're leading in, in this spiritual journey with the congregation and the people to the right and left of you, you have to know where they're coming from or you can't be a very effective team. Yeah. Joe, what are you thinking? I was just reminded in in uh, those comments of somebody that challenged me one time about protecting the integrity of the stage, and um, and what they meant by that was just in the congregation we need to trust your hearts. We need to you don't need to be perfect, you know, and and it's it's not about performing perfectly, but but that, that but that there's integrity to what people are saying and singing that their lives match what, you know, what we're trying to do. And, you know, in my years, I'm one of the older ones here and we had tons and tons of years at Willow where community was the thing that drove us, you know, I mean, in addition to our relationship with Christ, but I really think that one of the things that we didn't understand how important it was, was how much the people on stage loved each other. Mm. And, uh, and what happens when, when you're singing a song and you're catching eyes with somebody that you truly love and know and trust and their love for Christ is fueling your love for Christ as you're singing, as you're playing and what happens, uh, when there is unity and community on the stage together. And, um, I just think, um, doing, doing that together with people you love and trust and who love Christ together. Uh, there's just nothing like it. And in addition to just making it effective, it makes it fun. You want to do it for a lifetime. Oh, good. Yeah. Amber, why don't you, what are you thinking? Um, well, I agree. I agree with all of that, but I, I also, um, as Joe was talking about, um, we don't expect perfection, obviously. Mm -hmm. And, um, but, but what I have uh, grown to, understand and being in ministry for like 30 years and kind of seeing some things happen um, that weren't dealt with early on that were related to character. Uh, you save yourself a lot of grief and your team, a lot of issues uh, further down the line when you deal with character early on. And I know sometimes when we are onboarding people, uh, we so a lot of times churches can go to one extreme or the other. So it's, oh, well, I want to be about the heart and and not about their gifting. Or it's, wow, this person's really gifted. Oh, we won't worry about their character or their heart. And we go to these extremes when we actually need to find the balance of both. And if someone's truly called and assigned to worship ministry, they will have an aspect of both. Now, obviously there's needs to, sometimes some of that needs to be developed, whether that's on the skill side or on the character side. And we can do that and, and work to develop and, and pastor them and walk with them. But uh, if they have one and not the other at all, um, 
I, I have a little pause there just because um, I think I we had talked about this on one of your podcasts that if they don't have a teachable spirit, it's really going to affect the team as a whole, which yep. in turn is going to affect the worship experience. And um, teachability is the price of admission to be in ministry. And so if people are not teachable um, and you can find that out early on through an evaluation process or coaching or whatever we have, we kind of have that safety net built in before we put someone on the platform so that we can kind of see how teachable they are and what their character is about. And it's been, it's worked really well. And um, sometimes things don't come out till later on and we have to deal with them, but you can tell a lot about a person's character by putting them in kind of a development coaching scenario and giving them feedback, see how they respond. And I think it's so crucial because then you end up with a team of people who want to serve, they're teachable, they're humble, they're not perfect, but they're teachable. And I can take someone who's teachable all day long and pour into them and they don't have to be at a certain skill level as long as they're willing to grow and learn. So good. So good. I love the teachable aspect. And like you said, once you start that conversation, you're going to learn real fast if they're if they're willing and able and to be a part of what you're doing and and kind of come into the the, the, the ministry. Andy, what are your thoughts okay. there? Yeah, so I, th- I think for any team to succeed, there needs to be shared values and beliefs, really. I think if you have any conflicting values and beliefs, they they often manifest in a in a negative way. So I think. I think that's a, that's the foundation of any team, whether that, you know, in, in church, family, business, wherever it might be. Um, and really, I think it comes down to this idea, you know, if there's harmony in faith, there'll be harmony in music. And I think that's that's something that's, you know, really a really powerful thing when a team is is harmonized, <laughs> you know, musically, it sounds it sounds good. And when it's harmonized spiritually, that's going to that's going to really bless and impact the church in a in a different way. But I think I think there's various there's various kind of questions, you know, uh, around this, you know, we'll probably get into this later, but, you know, I, I had a, a singer who really wanted to get involved in stuff at church. She, she was kind of looking at, you know, looking, she was kind of courting kind of church and faith and finding out God. She really wanted to get involved in, in the worship. And I said, no, you can't do this. But I, but I then did invite her to come and sing at a wedding. And I thought that was, you know, is an interesting story just um, because now she's a she's a full time worship worship leader and a worship pastor. But that's kind of how her journey began. Me saying kind of you can't be in the church worship team because I'm not sure where you are in your journey. But come along and sing at this wedding with me and you can sing some of the, you know, the couple would find about that. And uh, but, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting journey. I had a guy come up to me one time. I was leading worship at a middle school chapel and uh, he, this kid came up and he was like, Hey, can I play your guitar? And I'm like, no, go back. And I leave my guitar alone. Like it's, you know, it was like, it was like a sixth grader. Like you just go back and it's fine. Fast forward many years. I'm, I'm on tour with this, with this, at my band and I'm playing with this, this, I have this guitar player that I play with all the time. And he brings up a story about a time he walked up and 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 the and the worship leader said no to playing his guitar and and I was that worship leader, and okay. many years later he was on the road with me and I had no idea, and he was like you told me no once and uh, and it came up and it was like I don't I remember that that was you and he was like that was me, 
it scarred me for life, you know, but he would just, anyways, it was, a, he, he, it was a, one of those moments I'm like, probably should be paying attention to who I'm saying no to, but Grant, what do you, what are your thoughts in, uh, on, on this? Yeah, well, I'm actually full of, full of questions for the yeah. rest of the panel. I'm loving what, you, what you're all saying. And um, I, I don't want to assume that people listening to this podcast are part of big churches because the bigger the church is, the bigger the congregation is, the more production value there is, the better the sound system, the better the screens are, maybe there's lights, the more attractive that can be to someone who wants to perform, wants to have their moment on stage. It, it's, it's an attractive thing. Um, and I, I sometimes get to work in those sort of situations, but I'm a guest. That's not the part, that's not the situation I'm in week in, week out. My situation here might be more similar to some of our listeners. It's a small church. You, you've got hardly anyone saying, I want to be a singer, an instrumentalist, a technician. Um, and I don't know, I don't think that should change the, the way we approach this. We want people who have a sincere faith in Jesus um who are who are leading our congregation whether small or big but i'm just thinking about my situation the one that i can speak from for the most is a tiny little country church of about 40 or 50 people and my pastor comes to me and says uh grant he says grant he's a kiwi uh, i want you to form a youth band we need a youth band once a month. Hey, we're going to lose our kids. We've got these kids who are like 13, 14, 15, 16. And I, and I know some of those kids don't yet have a faith in Christ. I was one of the leaders at an alpha course we did uh, with those kids. And they're searching that I know. But we want to give them something to be involved with uh, at church. So um, how did I onboard them? I spoke to them. I just said, we're forming a band. We here at St. Paul's Community Church, we value singing together. It's one of the ways we worship God. You know, we we want to show that God is worth it. So we value singing some songs together each Sunday. You've seen that in our services. And we were, there are some songs that we're not doing because generally at our church, it's it's a sight-reading piano player who plays songs from the 80s, you know, like that. And they're not engaging with that music. They're not engaging with that sort of music. So um, I didn't check people have made a decision to follow Jesus, let alone whether they really know how to worship God through songs. But I just said, will you be in this band? And we formed this band and the kids and, they, and the kids bring their parents to the service when they're playing. And the parents aren't followers of Jesus in some case. You know, so it's just a bit of a different situation for us where I just found some people who were prepared to play I spoke to them about why we would have music in our gathering, that we want to give our congregation a chance to sing prayers to God as an expression of worship. Will you play? Will you sing? And um, they said yes. So uh, I guess that's a little bit of a different situation. And, and I know that there are churches out there, people who are listening, is like if you have a pulse and you own a bass guitar, you can play. Now, that's how some of them are approaching this. And Honestly, I don't think that there's a one size fits all. We've got to be really thoughtful, mindful, prayerful as we form our teams. And it may not be a one size fits all. Yeah. And I, but I think there's, 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 I love that, that you brought that up because um, it is, there are so many aspects to, to what, uh, <laughs> there's so many aspects to what um, the, different church sizes and different, you know, different scenarios and contexts. And, you know, I just need somebody 
there's a worship leader that I've worked with for many years, uh, and she uh, she she leads worship, doesn't play an instrument, and uh, she's a piano player and a lady and, and someone who plays trumpet. That's that's that that's the band. And so if the piano player is out sick, it is her and a trumpet player, and that is the, that is the band on a Sunday morning. And so she's like, I just would welcome anyone to play, but I think there's still an aspect of you want to make sure people that are up there are are you know are in are in it for what they want or for the right reasons and in it for making sure that they're they're um they're doing it for the reasons that they should be michael what do you what do you think i'm just going to say and i just i think it was paul Velosh that said this but he just talked about how uninviting someone from the team is much more painful than inviting so to make sure i agree with all of this sometimes you have a need i've been there myself but man, it's so good to think about it ahead of time because when you have to uninvite someone from the team, it can be so painful and yeah. the drama and the hurt. And normally they'll end up leaving the church and it just some people just don't bounce back from that. So it's so good we're talking about this just because if you can save yourself the pain and, and put in a little more evaluation time up front, obviously there's a lot of talked about a lot of facets of that. Um, it's, it's worth really praying it through and evaluating up front. That's all. Yeah. Andy, did you have something you want to say there? Yeah, I th I think Grant uh, Grant or Grant uh, Grant Grant he he makes a, such a good point because if you if you're in a big church you know you have this you have these kind of expectations and uh, you know when when people talk to us Brits about worship team auditions we kind of think auditions to join the worship team that's just a <laughs> it's a really foreign concept because. I, I, go to, I go to a church of 900 people, which is really, really big by UK standards. But my kids go to a, a church school. So the, the, the local school, the uh, local church where they, they attend is, is, is a little village. You know, there's like there's 30 people who go and it, it is like that. There's a lady who plays the organ, you know, and, and if she doesn't play, there's no music, you know, and it's it's so I think it's really good to um, consider the the. You know, the situations for people so giving kind of blanket you know blanket kind of rules and this is what you should do is is it can be a bit kind of dangerous and I, but i think michael's point is really good that you know you you've got to work out what's what's right in your local setting because uninviting people is 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 not good yeah and I, i've seen it go both ways you know where you got someone who gives all the appearances of great character and great musicality and a, you know a worshipper's heart we might even say and then they end up being a nightmare in the team later then i've seen people who are like very fringy of the church but they they're a good guitarist or a good singer and it's like well someone explains to them that this is why we, this is not a this is not a gig as such this is us believing it's important that our congregation sings together uh, and this is them wanting to express how worthy they find God. Do you want to help us with that that goal? And they end up becoming coming to faith in Christ and being amazing. You know, so there's not a one size fits all, as I've yep. already said. You know, but but uh, uh, yeah, I, for me as well as Andy, this idea of imagine you've got you know five deep in drummers and seventeen deep in bass players, and and you're auditioning to see who's best. Uh, that's that's a foreign concept for a lot of us. Yeah, Joe. Joe, what are your thoughts on that? Because you had something to add. Well, um, 
Amber, why don't you go ahead I'll, and I'll see where this conversation goes, but I saw you raise your hand there, Amber. So go, go ahead, share your thoughts. Yeah, I think Grant might've said this, but that's where the prayer comes in. So important mm. because um, I don't like to go by a specific model. I, it's always people over process, man. I don't, I don't like, oh, well, it's, it's got to look like this cookie cutter because there have been times where maybe on paper, um, so, or like someone else, another leader might say, oh, I would not put that person on the team. But, I, you know, it, if I was the person that was empowered to make that decision, I pray about it and I seek the Lord on it. And I, I felt like they're, they're supposed to be a part of this team. Yeah. Even even if it didn't fit the mold, because um, we need to be spirit led. We need to be led by the Lord. And um, it's been really cool to see being obedient to the putting people on the team that that maybe uh, someone else wouldn't. But you felt led to do so. And then watching them grow. And, and like I think Grant or one of y'all said, like, actually, really getting plugged into the church and, and re their relationship with the Lord growing. And they end up being one of your most committed team members. But if you operate in this very cookie cutter and it has to look like this for everybody in every church, it takes out the part of being led and letting the Lord, like who, do, who, God, who do you want on this team? And I really lean into that a lot just because it's, you can't use a formula with people. You've got to be um, led in that. So let's talk, let's kind of go down that path a little bit about people. Um, whether your team is big or small, how, how do you value people so they know they are loved? How do you, how, whether it's a, you have a lot of volunteers work, working on your team, we're working with you on a Sunday, whether you have a piano player and a trumpet on a Sunday morning, like what, how do you guys make sure that the volunteers that are coming feel value, feel loved, feel taken care of? Um, so that, cause that's, that's, what's going to help someone stick is making sure they're loved and taken care of. So yeah, Grant, why don't you kick us off with that? Yeah. Well, again, I'm not on a staff that's, uh, working with the same team week in, week out. Um, but I do often form bands and, uh, and I do this coaching through more than music mentor. You know, one of the areas of frustration I hear is from a leader of a team saying, oh, my team, they never practice. They never prepare the songs properly. I'm so frustrated with this. And then I look into how they are loving their team by making it as easy as possible for them to practice. And they're not doing a good job of that. Like, I, I think if you provide your team with a Spotify link and a chord chart, and they're in different keys from each other, and, and, and your version is going to be totally different from that, and they get it on Friday before the Sunday service, you haven't loved them. I've actually found that the people you want in your teams, they want to be part of something that's run well, that's yeah. led well, that's got good structure and expectations. Um, so for example, right now, I've been asked to go to Australia uh, and uh, it's, a, it's an event, like, a, like a, a week long conference. And I've been, I've been asked to form a band of local Sydney musicians to lead this conference for four days. So, and I don't know many Sydney musicians, so I'm doing all my, quote unquote audition process over the phone uh, and zoom calls but i'm i i think the way i'm going to show that team that they are loved and honored and i'm going to make it as easy as possible for them to do the personal preparation that i'm requiring of them making sure that two weeks out of the conference they know exactly what the set lists are what the songs are what key they're going to be in and give them all the resources they need to do that practice and i'm even going to make phone calls especially with the drummer 
Because if the drummer's got it together, it's going to be together. You know, if the drummer's not together, it's not going to be together. So my care, I've got to like <laughs> my audition process over a phone, quote unquote, is a lot stricter for a drummer. Musically speaking, I need that the, the, the foundation of the house to be together. But yet we've got to love our team by, I think, making sure they know what the goal is. So I talk a lot about our goal is to get the congregation singing these songs. And I say it's an important expression of worship. This conference of people, they want to sing these prayers to God and praises of God. So we're going to craft a sound that supports their voice. You know, we're not a metal band. We don't want to see the crowd head banging. We're not a dance band. We don't want to see them dancing, although some of the Pentecostals might, and that's good. But we're going to start with them singing together. That is our humanly measurable musical goal. And they hear that and they go, all oh, right, I know what we're doing now. You know, and I can say to a drummer, so it's not about hitting hard. It's not about drum fills. It's about showing us where the beat is. Okay, got it. And I've actually found that the people you want on your teams, they love it when you lead well, when you provide resources and you communicate well and you encourage a lot. You don't, you'd end up not having to say, hey, you don't do that. You're just encouraged when the right things are happening. Love it. Amber, what are you, what are you thinking on that? I totally agree with that. Uh, I'm big on communication. And also, I think it's important to um, make relationships a priority because we need to care about the people more than the position that they fill. And I see this time and time again where, we make it more about, oh, you're filling this spot for me. Like these, the volunteers just feel like a means to an end, like, mm. and they don't feel valued for them as people. Like they're people with lives, they're people with challenges, they're going through things in their marriages or with their kids. And we've got to remember that they're, they're not filling a, a role for us. That it's, yes, that's something that they do. That's not who they are. They're people that we need to value and steward and, so I think relationships are so important. And that's the feedback that I get from volunteers when they get frustrated. They don't feel part of a family. They don't feel part of something greater than themselves and they feel disconnected. And we need to pull them in, check on them, uh, send them a note, a text, uh, things like that. When they're going through things with their family or through physical uh, health issues, uh, just make sure we show up. You know, we don't, we don't have to like be with them in every moment of their life, but just being intentional to, to make relationships a priority, um, send them a note and appreciate them with what they do. And whether that's media, worship, you know, the arts, I just, I just try to be very intentional to when I see someone, I, I, I thank you so much for what you do. I really appreciate it. And just that mean that goes a long way. It means a lot to them to feel seen. Yep. And we even do like an MVP of the month where we just say, Hey, so-and-so's MVP, everybody shout out to them. And, and we tell them why, like maybe, you know, they went above and beyond or just because they're faithful and, and they're committed. And then we give them like a gift card and it just, it just lets them feel uh, like they're seen and they're appreciated. I love it. The um, one of the reasons I asked this question is because oftentimes we're, we're we, we get so focused on finding people and we don't spend time making sure that what we're doing is something people want to be a part of. And, and it's like, maybe if we, if what we were doing, people wanted to be a part of, we would be able to find people that want to be a part of that. And so it's kind of making sure that those are, those are, those two pieces go together, 
Joe, you guys, do you have some thoughts you want to add? add well, sure, that? I'll show on, and then, um, and then I know that Andy had something uh, too, but yeah, just that sense of doing life together. Uh, I mean, I used to just keep a, a stack of note cards in my in my briefcase where I, you know, I'd be. I'm, people think I'm taking notes for this uh, from the sermon, and sometimes I'm just writing thank you notes to people that because you catch them doing something great. Um, but and and to me it was always and at Willow, uh, Nancy Beach just modeled for us this passion for community, and so taking an extra fifteen minutes in rehearsal to say to go around and say tell me your story. What was the highlight this week? What was the low light? Where you start to pray for the person on your left as you go, you know, afterward, but but making sure that when people leave the time that we had together, that we know each other's stories, we know the kind of highlights and lowlights, that we know what's going on in each other's lives, and one of the other phrases that we would use, we would just it was a value was just the word show up, you know, when it came to weddings, funerals, hospitals. Uh, you know, significant things to just go. One of the things people do when they love each other is they show up. Mm. And 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 you and there, I still remember people that showed up at key moments and events in my life. Or hand, I still have a file of people that would handwrite me a note of thanks or appreciation. Or, but just those kind of things go a long, long way to go. To uh, there was a reason that so many of us at Willow. Um, you know, we had sung on a team together for 20 years and and knew each other and had been there for each other and loved each other and encouraged each other and empowered each other, you know, and put your ego aside to let somebody else take a moment. You know, there were there are just it's, it's just so many ways to just love your people. But when people are using their gifts or seeing fruit to their life and they're on a team where they feel loved and valued, uh, they'll they'll be, they'll do it forever. Love it. Andy, you guys wanted the thought there? Yeah, I, th I think there's so much emphasis put on the project, the deadline, the event, and the event might be Sunday morning or Sunday evening or the conference or whatever's happening. But it's so important that the relationships are, are maintained rhythmically. So when when kind of working with teams or leading teams or being part of a team, I think the rhythms are so important. You know, the 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 weekly communication the the weekly interaction maybe the monthly you know the monthly kind of digest or newsletter the quarterly get together or jam night the annual barbecue at the at the worship pastor's house or whatever it might be those things are so important so i i, I teach a lot of, of artists i work with and, and writers and, and business owners this idea of rhythmic relationships because it's so easy to get lost in the project or the deadline or the event. And of course, those things, you know, be, being alongside each other and serving for an event or a conference or Sunday morning, that that brings that sense of relationship. But it can be lost without those additional rhythms. And, and people kind of don't necessarily prioritize those things. They kind of become a when I have time, you know, to do the, the quarterly get together or that kind of thing. So I so I think that can be a that can be a huge part of, of of leading a team and being part of a team and feeling part of something is those is those rhythms. Just thinking for for, you know, for me personally, it's my my Wednesday night at home with my wife Emily. That's a rhythm that it, it brings a relationship together, you know, in a way that you know the busyness of doing things with the kids on the weekend is great, but it doesn't it doesn't give us time to 
just chill or and it's the same with teams you need to get together socially creatively spiritually as well as for the functional purpose of practicing for yep. sunday morning i uh i get to i've, I've collated oftentimes at this church in sacramento area and the um one of the things that's in their rhythm is rehearsals are at 6 30 on tuesday and every tuesday at 5 30 they do dinner as a team and somebody's ministry is to make the dinner and bring it for the team. And other team members actually know that they can come at 5.30 on Tuesday and have dinner with the team, even if they're not doing rehearsal. And so it's like, hey, come Tuesday at 5.30, you know, in this room at the church, if you're if you're around and want to hang out. Um, and what was cool for me, I I mean, I'm, I'm a, I've, I've led with them before, but we're not like great friends, the other, the other band members. Um, but sitting with them at dinner at 5.30, we had dinner. And then when we, when we walked on stage at 6.30, mm -hmm. like wow. there was no tension. There was no like, I don't know you or I don't know. I literally could look across the stage and go like one of the guys is a sixth grade teacher. And I'm like, tomorrow is your last day of school. And we just talked about how you're going to you're going to get up and and actually promote your sixth graders and, and into, into the next grade and how that was kind of an, an emotional moment for you. Mm -hmm. And like, I know that as, as uh, somebody who's in a leadership role in this scenario, like you're having a difficult week. And so like, that's, that's a conversation that we had before over dinner. And, and because of that rhythm, they, um, I believe are a better band and it's a better, better scenario. And you might have somebody at your church who's not musically, musically gifted or whatever, or technically gifted or someone that wants to be involved, but there's somebody who wants to make dinner. Like there's always people who just want to make food and want to help. Like I'm, I'm actually one of those people. I love making food for people. And that's one of my, it's one of my favorite things to do is to make a big table full of food and, and sit around while people eat. It's just a fun thing to do. And so, um, yeah, so I love, I love that. Michael, I wanted to say one thing to you uh, and question for you. There's a statement that I know lives in and around the river Valley network and that's clarity is kindness. Mm -hmm. And um, can you kind of break that down for us a little bit? Um, yeah, we just, you guys, and I just got to say before I answer that, man, so blessed by all that you guys have just shared. I'm just like taking mental notes and just loving it. This is inspiring. So thank you for all for what you're saying. Yeah, Clarity is Kindness. That that first came from our creative director, Phil Young. Uh, we just, it's recognizing that so often people don't meet the expectations that we have for them because we're not clear. And it's actually very kind to let somebody know what the expectation is and what the win is. Because sometimes we just get so bombed when someone doesn't hit the target. And we never realize, well, we didn't really tell them clearly what the target is and where they're supposed to go and what it looks like. And so it just kind of, and that's, that's fair. It's easy. It happens to all of us, you know, inside up here, you know, we're like, oh, I know what I want people to do, but I, I don't really spend the time to break it down. So mm -hmm. for us, that's become more and more important. And we're just trying to implement that network wide, just that we're, we try and just be clear and that that serves people. And that's really what we're supposed to do. So it kind of reframes having goals and, and, you know, desires of, of success. It takes it out of the framework of that we're trying to be demanding and it's about being cool. And it's about this and that. It's like, no, it's actually, we, we just want to serve you by letting you know where we're going and we invite you into that and we want to get there together and we, we want to be a part of every step of the journey together and celebrate together at the end. But if we're not clear about it, that's our bad as a leadership. 
man, we haven't been nice to you to set you up for failure. Like that stinks. So a lot of times we've realized that, you know, we failed as leaders to help people be successful. I feel like that's the role of the leader is to, is to clear the path, <laughs> make way the path, you know, clear a path for people, all of our team members. I love that you just talk about um, a teacher. I have so many teachers in our worship and media ministry and they work long hours and they're tired and so many, so many people do right. So many different occupations. So if they're going to give their time and they're going to show up for rehearsal or be a part of anything we do, I need to bust my butt to make sure that it's the most affirming and encouraging um, time that's full of clarity and love and affirmation so that they're like, you know, I love serving here. I always, always wonder what would somebody say if they pulled aside our, our volunteers and said, how does Michael make you feel? How do you feel about serving and worship in media at River Valley? I want to make sure I do what I can on the front end. So they answer that with a very, very big smile. And uh, yeah, I feel loved as a person more than the product I provide or the position I feel um, I'm seen and heard. So that's what we're going for. But that's that's what clarity is kindness kind of stems from. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Hey, so <laughs> I have a, uh, as we kind of wrap up this, the, 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 the podcast, I always, um, I always end with a food question. You guys know that. And it's my thing. It's going to, we're going to do it every podcast. And it kind of comes off of what we just talked about. Clarity is kindness talking about what you're doing. Okay. You sit down at a table with people, maybe from your church worship team, a house you're not normally at, and they put something on the table that you can't stomach or it's like a bad meal or something that you just, it's not your favorite and something that you just have a hard time. Even maybe you don't even know what it is. Do you eat it? Is my question. Mm. Do you eat it? Or if not, how do you get out of that scenario? Joe go. Oh, boy. what do you do? <laughs> That's right. What <laughs> <laughs> do you, what do you do in that scenario? Yeah. Well, I grew up in one of those houses where you had to, you know, if it was put on your plate, you eat it, you know, okay. and, and my mom would set the timer on the stove and you better have it gone by before the timer goes, you know, or, or, or else. So no. So, and yeah, so the culture I grew up in, you'd go, yep. You, you know, just what? Eat it. did you, did it, she ever put it in the fridge time and, and energy it as... on it? Then yes. Then I'm going to, I'm, 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 I'm going to at least take a little and try it. Did she ever put yeah. it in the fridge and serve it as breakfast? I had that as a kid. Oh, if God. I didn't eat it, it was as I ate it for I ate it for breakfast cold. That was I <laughs> Man, that's even worse. Uh, Amber, what about you? What do you do if that during that scenario? I think I have PTSD from my childhood because my <laughs> my parents, my mom would make me eat things that had onions in it, and I hated onions. Mm. And so, like tater tots with onions, and oh. I. When they weren't looking, I would hide them like under the table. I'd hide them in uh, little places like behind decor decorations and stuff. <laughs> they would find them like months later. Oh, no. right. I got, I, got in I got in big trouble for that. But I've actually just learned to just be kind, be honest, but be kind. And um, especially like seafood, I do not like seafood at all. And I can't okay. stomach it. Um, and most people are understanding and gracious um when i just i do make sure i eat something else that they have yep. prepared and i just say i i don't really eat that um if that's okay i can i just eat this and most people you know other countries it's a little different i yep. i do want to honor and respect when i'm like on mission trips and 
And I do find out ahead of time culturally if it's offensive, if we don't. And then I will, like Joe said, like tr- at least try it and, and, mm-hmm. and be gracious in that. Push it around the plate if you have to. And just kind or of hide or hide find a place to hide it in my napkin. No, I'm just kidding. Michael, what Michael, what about you? You're I, I'm interested in this. What is you're making oh, some man. faces, so I'm not sure where you're gonna go with having, this. Speaking of PTSD, having flashbacks. So early at a church in Arizona, on staff, young worship leader there, got get invited over to somebody's house, which is an honor. Person who's cooking dinner shows up at the front, you know, we're at the front door, he shows up at the door, apron on. He's got a wooden spoon in his hand. Okay. Says, yeah, dinner's in the oven. I'm making apple pie. Great. No joke. While we're talking, he's walking over the office. He's because he's got to mix up the apples. He has got the wooden spoon. He has an itch. The wooden spoon goes down the back of the top of the No joke. While he's talking to me, he's still got the wooden spoon. Wooden spoon that goes into the apple pie mix. (laughs) So the lesson learned from this was after dinner, when the pie came out, oh, bro, thank you. I am so full. <laughs> I am so full. <laughs> that apple pie smells great. True. Not going to eat it. Smells great. Oh, man. So full. Lesson of the wooden spoon. That's all I can say. We. So we have a we have we live in a neighborhood where we do like a lot of block parties and like the fire department will bring their fire trucks. The kids will climb on them. Police department will come out and hang out. And uh, we I was making dinner and I had a friend of mine was a firefighter and he uh, I just was like, hey, guys, you guys want to eat? And you can see the firefighters like mm, we don't. And the one of the firefighters goes, no, we can trust him out. out. He just looks at me and goes, we, we, we can trust this guy. What, what what you're about to eat is totally safe. And I was. um Anyway, just thought that because I didn't use the spoon to scratch myself. But um, Andy, what are you what are you thinking? What, well, I, I was very courteous. I, I was out in Nashville last year and and uh, one of one of my good friends, Jeremy, took me out for some southern food. I, I tried some some gumbo, which was pretty good, uh, but I, I won't do it again because it wasn't pleasant. I did try deep fried pickles and that's just no one should be that should not be inflicted on anyone. I don't know what you guys are thinking of down in the South and in America. That's just not, it's not good. It's not good. It should be outlawed. Should be outlawed. (laughs) So you tried it once, but you're, you just won't do it again. I I, I wouldn't do it again. No, no. The gumbo was good. I enjoyed the gumbo, but not, no, not deep fried pickles. Never again. (laughs) Note to self. Uh, What about you, Grant? (laughs) Uh, Look, a situation like that almost never happens. I do a lot of travel and I'm often staying in people's homes uh, and and people are often usually incredibly thoughtful. But there was one situation not so long ago where I was I was staying in the home of a retired elderly gentleman, gentleman and I was there for like uh, like 10 days. Anyway, his, his house was not... It was a clutter. It was, it was, you know, you see those reality TV shows about people who need to not hoard stuff. It was like that. I was like, oh man, this is why I always, always like to insist on a hotel. Lovely fella. But one night he said, Hey, I'm going to cook dinner for you. And he pulled out an open packet of bacon from the fridge that I don't know how long it had been there for. And everything in my brain is saying, don't eat that bacon. Don't eat that bacon. And he makes the bacon and he makes it. I don't know what it was, but he bacon and toast and something don't eat the bacon my brain is saying i ate it i just couldn't not 
eat it. I got sick. I only just managed to make it to my preaching engagement the next morning. But yeah, I ate it. And I knew even eating it, I'm going, this is not good. I can't do this. Don't do this. Don't. Not good. Do I, do, do I claim being a vegetarian in this moment? I, Can I just, I, I don't eat, I, I don't eat bacon. I don't eat, I don't. He was such a sweet man and really wanted to hang out with me and wanted to cook for me. And anyway, that's amazing. I, mean, I had I, no I, idea. I, I think I would do the same thing again. <laughs> that's what I'm worried about because I don't know. Oh, I, I had no idea how that question was going to go. This, that was amazing. I was, <laughs> I was curious how that one was going to play out, but that's, that's awesome. You like, guys, hey, I, hey, just cook. Why don't you cook the bacon a little longer? I like it really crispy. Real crispy. I real fully cooked. To fully oh, it's burnt. Oh. Burn it to a crisp. Charcoal. That's... Charcoal strips. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. No, hey, I, guys, I, I appreciate you guys hanging out today. I know you guys got busy schedules and stuff, and appreciate your constant desire to pour into worship leaders and make sure that worship leaders, uh, we laugh together, we just enjoy life together, and um, and we just get to, get to have fun. And so um, appreciate you guys and everything that you do. Um, and again, guys, thanks for for hanging out with us. The uh, next week starts a new a new a new uh, topic, and we're talking next month. We're talking about training and identifying future leaders, and so it's going to be a fun a fun month. And so come back and join us, and we will see you guys next week.